Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Kalin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. I think we're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, and welcome to it. Tonight's special guest on a very special episode, uh, Mr. Steve Pike of Exhalance. This is episode 257 of Proton Conversal. Cutting a new trust, Proton Conversal is a long-running podcast about music and musicians. As mentioned, this is episode 257. If this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at protonconversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show or get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonconversal. If you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along. Like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. Tonight we have uh, excellent dude, excellent musician, uh, Mr. Steve Pike of Exhalance. Welcome to the show, dude. It's glad to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, I think, a first... First, everyone's very excited, yes. Uh, yes, uh, my dog is very excited. <laughs> Human, canine, everybody's very excited about Protonic Reversal. We all understand, we all understand. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, you got you got a lot go- you got a lot going on. Um, it's true. No Coast? Yeah. Which you played <laughs> last year, too, not uh, on a day that I could go because we toured down to it but uh and did you play the first one also if i remember we, correctly we did we yeah. uh we played the first one um and then jeff asked us to come back for the second one and then jeff was announcing that he was doing it again in october and i was funny because i just asked him like hey what are the details of this i'm interested i want to yeah. come up and they're like how about you guys just play and we're like all right so you know three years in a row uh, the the trifecta. <laughs> yes, but it's uh, it's a fun time. I really enjoy it. Um, hold on a second. Yeah, that was definitely one of uh, one of my most enjoyable show experiences last year. To be frank, it also was one of my only show experiences last year. I think. Uh, but yeah, it, that was that was our last show we played. Was no coast. It, it was a it was a good time though. It was a good yeah, time. Yeah, it was great. Good community. Uh, all the bands were awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, and then of course this year is even in COVID times even crazier. Like it's more, it's yeah. even like crazier, bigger in scope. Uh, there's there's a couple other bands that folks might know that that are on there. Um, yeah, 
Former guest of show, really- Paige Hamilton and oh, the Bros. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Helmet is going to be playing. Kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, go yeah. go go ahead. Do you have any anybody you're particularly excited about this year? Um, Helmet definitely is going to be cool because last time I saw Helmet was like shit eight eight or nine years ago, and then uh, Callenwald City is another one that I'm really really excited to see. I mean, all the headliners honestly like Yacha as well. Um, Chat pile because I for I we didn't get to see him last year. And I've just loved that band to death. Um, all the, I mean, I'm also just excited to see all the friends that are going to be rolling through and playing like bombers coming down. Uh, you got moon pussy coming down. We're fantastic. We uh, love moon pussy here. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're incredible. Uh, easy prey from Austin's coming up, which is awesome. Uh, and then also grasshopper lies heavy from San Antonio. Yep. Uh, so it's like, you get to see a lot of Texas homies, which is always great. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the list just goes on. I'm just in, in awe of what, uh, what Jeff and Reese were able to pull off this year. And it's been really cool being able to see them build this thing yeah, from the ground up over years and years and kind of seeing like, yeah, we just want to make it this, you know, just gathering, if you will, you know, just weirdos and, you know, people who like such niche, heavy, loud music. Yeah, uh, freaks, nerds, and weirdos. Uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, get, finally get to feel some camaraderie in the world. L- lovers of the uh, brutal and insane, or insane, <laughs> if you will. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so it, and it also just occurs to me that, you know, Exhalence just slots very nicely in with all of that. Uh, and the, yeah. and not just, and it feels to me, to me it's not just in, in tone of the music. Mm-hmm. But just an attitude and approach, uh, you know, they're not being sort of the the lack of pretension, if you if you will, right? The the yeah. sort of the, the dedication to the craft. These should be, I think these should be obvious things, but they I just I'm here to assure you they certainly are not. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's very I mean it's yeah it aligns with I mean it's very. DIY centric and that's what I like about it because it's you know it's it's whatever it's it's just we're all going to get together in Denton Texas and just play music and have a few libations and call it a day at the seemingly the seemingly unsinkable rubber gloves exactly <laughs> which we all I mean we all love back from the dead yeah <laughs> so I, I want to talk about atonement and specifically, go go into uh, some details on it. But I figure what we'll do is we'll we'll save that for a little bit. I, I kind of, if you're into it, do like, we can do like a song by song. Okay. On it. Yeah. Uh, now correct my my personal timeline because I kind of came to you guys a little bit later. But uh, the the first one is uh, the self titled in 2018. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, that was our first full length, um, and we released that. We oof, we weren't even a band for a year when we when we we just wrote and released it. We just came out. We just wanted to come out swinging and yeah. We were writing a lot. We released a demo, like a five song demo. That's kind of the way this band has operated. Is just just get it out. Just write as much as we possibly can. And we took. Uh, we haven't really taken that much time off. We took 
some time off last year just because of the pandemic. And wow. Yeah. I mean, we all did, right? Everybody <laughs> did. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, we just, we just constantly wrote and wrote and wrote. And so we, we released the first one in 2018 of August. And then after that, that we just split, split with, uh, with Pinko. Pinko. Yeah. That, that's where you guys first came to my attention is, is, is with that. Okay. Piece. Cool. And yeah. I, out of the gate, being of a judgmental sort, I usually am the first one past judgment on band names. But I was like, "Oh, what a great band name!" Was like the first oh, thing, the first thing I thought of. Which and also nice work for snagging a one word band name because that just seems almost impossible <laughs> these days. Yeah, well, I wanted to be in a one word band name because my band previous to Exhalance was Carl Sagan Skate Shoes, yep. and I kind of got sick of uh, just that whole. Uh, jumble of words is coming together and it just takes up too much room on bills i was like no i just want it to be like short and sweet to the point that's it we originally were trying to we were going to call ourselves inhalants yeah but there was uh there was an austin garage rock band uh from the 90s with the same name and a lot of those dudes would hang around uh, our shows anyway so it's like we can't really, you know, it's already been taken. It's already been done, especially in Austin. And then yeah. also come to find out that there's a Portland band called Inhalants as well. Uh, so, I don't know. You're just like, well, what if we just made it Exhalants? Which I think personally is a little cooler, too, because Inhalants is like, yeah, bro, Inhalants. Like, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, and like, just yeah quick- we get it. You do Duster. All yeah, right, we, cool. We, we get it. <laughs> we get it. You vape. Uh, the well, and yeah, and I believe me, understand the pains of the sentence long band name, uh, all too well, including like, <laughs> the the uh, but I, I do remember being familiar with their band because I'm a big Carl Sagan fan, so I was like, oh, shit. oh cool. <laughs> there's, a, there's a band that's like referencing Carl Sagan, their band name. Holy crap, I gotta, I gotta check that out. So, but then again, if you're let, let's put it this way if you're going after me as a target market, you ain't, you're doing the wrong thing, so. <laughs> Exhalance is way better. Did you have an idea? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was gonna say, did you have an idea for sound of the band like early on? Like, did you were you like kind of like, well, I think we're gonna do this kind of thing. We're uh, gonna operate in this territory, or did that kind of come with everybody getting together and grinding it out? A little bit of A and B. Um, I knew because a lot of the some of the first record were ideas that I had near the end of Carl Sagan that I kind of just kept in my back pocket because they weren't working with that lineup. And so I wanted Exhalants to be louder and heavier and more aggressive um, and yet also like more dynamic. Uh, And so with that, it was like, that was kind of the idea of like what I had in my head, but it really came to fruition of like our sound in, in general, it really came to fruition with all three of us being together and starting to write together and being able to like hash out and like everyone bringing ideas to the table on riffs and songs and whatnot. And like I, in general ideas and uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of where, I mean, cause exhalance isn't just, isn't it just (laughs) it's, it's Steve, Tom and Bill, you know, it's like we all, come together we write these songs together and like especially though the more the this band has evolved it is very much more of like a joint like, hey, I got yeah. this idea. A, a joint effort and, and and it's it has that feel to it it has that feel that it's not just like someone's passion project or uh or anything along those lines it's it's very much you can feel within the songs and within the structures the different things that people bring to the overall whole 
Uh, so I guess what? Yeah. So what I'm driving at with that is is it is that something where when it came together uh, with you guys playing, did was it just you know like the so so having the number of people definitely that are involved are going to determine how the band formula happens, like the dynamics between everything. Yeah, you know, think back to like you know the, the great power trios and things along those lines, right? Like, yeah. and there's different different voices and different ideas, and and you're and you're building and or sabotaging or maybe both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it was it something where you you kind of thought like right from the outset like oh that's this cool I know I know where this is or was it there more of a kind of all right this vehicle's this vehicle's going and it, the engine seems to be running pretty hot and the I don't exactly know where it's going but I'm just gonna hold on for dear life like where where were you guys at with that I think we were just kind of like hey we we all really like these songs that we're playing and let's just kind of see what works you know. Like, it, it, I mean, it, it it wasn't like in the, in my head, it wasn't like, oh yeah, we're going to start a noise rock band. <laughs> They're like, this, we're going to be like this kind of band. It's like, oh no, like these are kind of like, here are just some riffs I have yeah. from, you know, just from, from fucking off. And, uh, but uh, it just kind of came to it. And that the, the beginning was just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to ride the rails. We're just going to just like, just set this, this, put it to 11 and just put the pedals to the floor and just go and just see what happens. And like, that's kind of always been the mantra, I guess, like the mission statement is like, let's just see how far we can take this thing. Like, let's just push ourselves like as, as musicians to like really, and now we're kind of like the new stuff that we're writing. Some of the new stuff that we're writing, we're kind of really just pushing ourselves as like, all right, we are three people. Like, what can, what can we achieve yeah. as three people with this, uh, with, within these parameters and also like within the tools that we have um, at our disposal? What can we pull off? What we can, what can, I mean, because we obviously, I mean, I know that like we can't reinvent the wheel on guitar rock. I mean, it's, it's, it's six, I mean, it's been done, but whatever <laughs> we can do sure. to like just have fun with it is that's all that we really can do. Well, and there's an infectious enthusiasm that comes off from the songs. And granted, while there's there's certain antecedents that you would say like, oh, if you like, you know, band X, Y, and Z, then you'll probably dig what exhalants are throwing down. But it's not like it's reverential to the point of, you know, copyright infringement or anything along those lines. Like, you know, like for sure, I would say that like one of the first things when I heard your guitar playing, I was like, oh. These these dudes probably probably have some unwound records. That's awesome. That's like one of my favorite bands of all time, and they don't like. There's not nearly enough bands that kind of like take what they did and put it different places. I mean, there's you know whatever first two Trail of the Dead records, you know before they went yeah whatever they went to with the prog stuff and whatnot. Like no one knows. No one in Austin even knows. They're just like <laughs> it, it's it's one of those things where like. You know, like we all, I mean, if you've lived in Austin long enough, it's like, yeah, you, you run into those dudes or you've met them or you've seen them at a show or whatever. Um, and I will say that like, as, as much as like, I do really love those first two trail of dead records, but, and then like, as you said, they kind of went off and did whatever, uh, to much greater success, I might add, because he loves frog (laughs) and stuff, but, uh, getting to know Conrad, especially as like, like from because like, I've worked with him uh, 
on a couple like during a couple of shows and i've got to like hang around and just be around him and you kind of like see this guy who's just just doesn't really give a shit yeah. about what other people think and i absolutely love that because like no this is the art that i want to make Spot like he's out to make compass. art yeah. and i'm like mm, yeah cool man like i'm super stoked you're doing that now do i vibe with it not 100 percent of the time but i gotta give the dude credit yeah you respect the hustle and it and it's yeah. he's uh, and again, there's something to be said for that level of world building, which, frankly, if you ask me, it probably comes from his deep knowledge of advanced Dungeons and Dragons. But we, it was yeah. been years and years since we talked about that. Uh, but, yeah. you know, like, uh, and again, you could sit here and try to cater to Conan Neutron all day long. And guess what? They sold way more records when they went off and did, you know, the stuff that kind of has... You could almost say that sounds a little like you too there, but like, you know, people liked it and good for them. They built an audience and they built the world. And yeah, uh, but what, what I was specifically doing by invoking trail of the dead is to say that like, there are certain bands that you're like, Oh, that band probably likes Fugazi or that band mm -hmm. definitely likes the Melvins or the Jesus Lizard or whatever. Uh, and, yeah. and there's certain aspects of, of putting things that together that like when I think of Unwound, what made Unwound so revolutionary is they were taking like Sonic Youth style guitar experimentation, but putting mm -hmm. it towards like an aggressive sound, like to something that was just like hitting yeah. you right in the gut. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and say that the world of, uh, you know, the with the noise rock stews of the world uh, mm -hmm. maybe like is wrong necessarily, but it's like. Sometimes it's like, yeah, there already was a helmet, guys. Like, you don't need to redo it. This isn't this isn't a civil war reenactment. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, we're influenced by who we're influenced by, sure. and uh, Justin's guitar playing has definitely influenced me. Um, and also, I mean, shit, Thurston Moore and Steve Albini, Jay Mascus. I always uh, think of Thurston and Lee as like a gestalt entity guitar influence. It's like the those two intertwining together is like one yeah. of my favorite guitarists. <laughs> Pretty much. And then it makes yeah, it easier so. if you're making a top 10 list because they can just take up one slot, right? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, like a lot of it, because that's, that's kind of like, that's how I came up. And that's like a lot of the music I was listening to. And I still listen to a lot of that. It's just, that's just what inspires me as far as like oh like they're making this like chaotic sound with their guitars that's so cool like i mean it, it felt like achievable and it wasn't you know like guitar wankery where it was like oh yeah check out you know yeah. like people who are just going sweeps all fucking day you know it's like that just seems super masturbatory to me and so i was like no like i want to like create something like want to yeah. be able to express myself uh like emotionally through a guitar and that's kind of how i feel like my guitar playing is uh helped form and like to get back to like what unwound did you know i felt like yeah they did take a lot of like the sonic youth like ferocity of just like crazy noises and stuff but they also added a more human element to it you know where it's like you could feel those songs you know, whatever. And also what Vern and uh, Sarah did with, as a rhythm section too, like really it, they just created like such a sonic landscape. And that was huge influence for me as far as like starting exhalants. I knew that like, I was never going to sound like them at all and didn't want to, because that's, you know, unwound is unwound. You can't touch it, you know? And I didn't want to start a worship band either. Um, and so it was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. Um, huge, huge unwound 
fan and influenced by him. Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about the that that first record. And of course, that's the one that's got a, a public display of failures on that one. Like, there's like, where was the where was the band where was the band at around that time? What was the recording process like for that? Uh, with the first record, shit. Uh, yeah, taking it back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, we just we were just hammering out songs, and just like we were just like on a steady train after the demo, and we decided like, all right, cool, like. We wanted to because we didn't like we wanted our first like official release to be like a full length. We didn't want an EP or a seven inch. Yeah. So we just had like a demo tape, and then we're like, all right, we're gonna come out, we're gonna drop like ten songs, uh, and people aren't gonna know what hit them, you know. And like that, that's that's kind of like what we wanted to do, and I felt like we achieved that. Um, and with that, it was very much like that first record. I feel like there's a lot more on like unwoundy and like a lot yeah. more like punk influence on that record um especially with uh tom's drum playing he you know was playing in a lot of like hardcore bands at the time um it was just like oh man yeah i just want to add this and like we should just make this like like this and i was like yeah okay cool so it was like you know like really sped up and the more i look back and then yeah there's songs like public display of failure where it was like trying to figure out uh it, like i wanted to write a song where like the main riff had harmonics in it and just like trying like different yeah. ideas of, like what if i did this or what if there was this but i mean what people always come back to on that record is like everyone's like oh man if only that's such a good song and, yeah which is like thank you but uh yeah that was also which is so weird because that's like simplistic it's a very simplistic <laughs> song. yeah it's 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 like one of the most uh just just kind of there's not a ton to it there's it just kind of oh. does the thing, right? Yeah, but people, I mean, it's, and I have no problem with people liking it. It's like, I mean, it's a very honest and personal song about your will to live during yeah. depression. But uh, it's just, I don't know, people really like, I mean, you never know what people are going to like. And that's the one that people really like. And uh, that one, and then I always, my personal favorite on there is like, the last two tracks is just Punisher and then I will take you to a quiet place. And uh, Punisher's is great because it's just mean and it's a really good like uh, set ending, set ender to us. And then I'll take you to a quiet place. I was just listening to a bunch of Con Ape and I was like, oh dude, what if we just made this like just super heavy, stupid, just like noisy <laughs> song at the end. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. And then like, oh, you know, also it would be funny is if we just like droned it out at the end and then we put a lock group on it. And so then like when people's listening to it on the record, it's just this droning just, out just never ends. Yeah. the whole time. And people are like, what the fuck is that sound? That was kind of like the intent with, with ending it with that. And yeah. I think we played it live maybe once. And then um but it was it was funny because after we recorded that record, it was pretty much just like cool. All right. We're done recording it. Let's write more stuff. And then just like kept going, you know, and that's what, that's what happened with like how we got those two songs, uh, for the Pinko split. The Pinko and then we were also like yeah. unintentionally, we didn't even know it. we were writing atonement at the same time as well. So did you, cause you were, you tracked that first record pretty quick. Like it, it was not like a laborious yeah. exercise, right? I mean, no, <laughs> no. And that's, that's not our, I mean, it, it was recorded in about, the whole thing was tracked in about eight hours. Uh, so we just, yeah, we went in there, just hammered out every song once or twice. You know, we we're just like, all right, cool. Like, 
that's the song move on and then uh so we tracked it all and then i went in and just like all right gonna play more guitar and uh layered it with guitar and then we came i came in the next day and did vocals so it's probably like all in all maybe 10 hours and we recorded it in this shack uh in uh in northeast austin that our friend ian was uh He's no longer engineering anymore, but yeah. he recorded a lot of Austin bands, like between like 2013 to about 2018 is like when he really recorded a lot of like good Austin punk bands. Um, like he hung my, up my, the one of the reasons why I want to work with him so much <laughs> is like a he was an engineer at Beerland, and then B he recorded like oh. three. Yeah, he yeah, recorded. Okay. Three, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Okay, right on. Yeah. Yeah. He also recorded like three spray paint records and, uh, and spray paint was like probably my favorite band to come out of Austin in the past couple of years. So killer. That's awesome. So, so then the stuff that ended up on the Pinko split mm-hmm. was kind of from that same grouping of songs in that same, that same time period. It a little bit after that, um, we went through some, you know, it was recorded the record and then, you know, life happens and, <laughs> right. uh, yes, it does, sir. Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so some stuff changed in our social circle and stuff like that. And, um, so then we just kind of went and wrote these other songs and, uh, the Pinko stuff was written. Like I always considered that kind of like the gap between the first record yeah. and, it it, yeah, it, it, it does seem like a joiner in that way and the fact that it's it's sort of like oh that makes sense like mm-hmm. it'll seem less jarring to go into atonement if you if you know if you know from that one and like i said that was the first one i actually heard so i kind of got i got to go back and then go forward uh how'd you know those guys how'd you know the pink yeah um shit i've known those cats since like 2015, I think uh, Sagan, Carl Sagan played a show with them down in San Antonio. And then on top of that, they used to, uh, they used to play in Austin a bunch too. And uh, Tom knows Alex, their singer and guitar player from back when he was in an old San Antonio screamo band called Sons, S-O-H-N-S. And uh, they, they go back like, they go way, way back. Um, and Tom, cause Tom used to be in a band called innards from Fort Worth, uh, which was a pretty big, uh, Texas screamo band and everything. And so we have a lot of ties to that with, with exhalants. And, um, so that's where, and so we played how the split came about. It was really funny. Cause it was like, right before we recorded the first record, we went and played a show in, in San Antonio with Pinko and I think the Grasshopper Lies Heavy played that same show too. And so we played and immediately after we were done, that was the first time they had seen us. And immediately afterwards, like, Hey, we're going to do a split together. And we're all just like, "Ah, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do it. (laughs) Sometimes it's just as easy as that. (laughs) Yeah. It's just do splits with your friends. Why not? Why not? That's, that's, uh, Yeah. yeah, that's, it, it, it sounds it sounds so easy when you say it like that and yes i agree <laughs> i heartily agree 
So then, uh, so and and so, tell me about the live experiences, like playing in Exhalance. Did you do you find that, for the most part, I mean, it's it, it seems you seem like a band that like most of the time you'll play whenever possible with like a friend's band or a band that you know that is has some commonality of experience and community with you. So you're not necessarily walking into an adverse situation all the time, but have, yeah. have you had any fish out of water scenarios that you, that you can recall oh. that might be worth with, sharing? With excellence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we usually just try to play uh, when we play locally, we, uh, I mean, pre pandemic, obviously uh, yeah. we always, we, we were always, pretty against playing local only shows like or if it's just local bands only because we're like what's the point of this show <laughs> like why why are we doing this it's like okay so all these local people can just like sit around and watch us play music that we already do anyway so it's right. like we only really play <laughs> sure. with touring yeah, yeah. bands um because it's like there's a reason for the show come out yeah. and like support the bands you know and these are our friends and like we want to put them on and have a good time with them and show them a good time. So it's like, and it's, it's better to do that when you're only playing out, like, you know, once a month to, you know, however many, depending on what time of year it is. Yeah. Where where it's an event, it's a, people make excuses to go to it rather than make excuses to avoid it for like bands that like overplay their towns where it's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Who's that for? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like what's, what's the point? So you can, play to nobody eventually i don't sounds know great. Like, it just it i talk a lot of shit about it i'm sorry i've been doing i've been in this town oh i'm from here so it's uh it's this is not unique it it's not unique to, to that town let's let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> and and, well, and this is this is a safe space to talk that cat talk that trash because <laughs> <laughs> believe me i probably said worse in passing oh <laughs> uh, yeah probably or for me too uh but no nah, it's it, i just it, so anyway so i was like yeah like the the whole point of playing locally is for us is to put on our friends yeah. and to show our friends a good time to make sure that they get enough money so that they can go to the next town and play and continue on because that's the whole point you know when you're i mean to me about like putting off your friends like hey we're gonna help the homies out you know well, and then you like go to their town, those. and like they do the same, and everybody you know gets to keep this sustainable and enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. No one gets too burnt out on it, like yeah. you know. Um, but we've had some pretty funny shows uh, that we've hopped on. Uh, the Dead Rider show was actually pretty funny to me because we got asked like four days before dead rider was coming through austin and there was no promotion for it there was nothing like right we were just like oh shit dead rider yeah like i like i've seen him before and at uh at a smaller venue and uh it's like the cats from us maple fuck yeah like this is gonna be tight and lo and behold it's one of those shows where they just kind of grabbed us at the last second because we were also like a fairly young band at that point so it's like yeah. no one really kind of knew who we were right but like we had like some clout. I mean, not not a lot, um, but uh, not enough to pull in enough people to come like fill out a three hundred cap room uh, yeah. for Dead Rider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, good luck finding any band time. that could do that on that short notice, especially right. I mean, yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe Cherubs in town, but yeah. like that's about it. 
Um, but yeah, it was just funny. So like we we play and the guy, the sound guy comes up and he's like, Oh man, that was, that was something. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. You guys remind me of Loma Prieta. And I was like, uh, all right, thanks man. And then like the other two bands are these like real, like the fault line or is that, was that name of a band too? Huh? The fault line, Loma Prieta fault line or the, uh, the, the screamo man. Loma oh, Prieta. okay. So that's see here. Here's what here's where we say I'm from California. When people say oh, okay. Loma Prieta, they mean the source of the earthquakes, which is the the fault line that that runs through California that puts many heavily populated areas in massive amounts of danger. So I wasn't aware there was a band that referenced that. Sorry. Oh no, that's fine. Um, and so yeah, then we just the the sound guy wasn't really into us. Um, Always great. And none of the bands were into us as well. Also always great. Todd though was Todd was really nice though. I will say that. Like Todd was like uh he stepped out he because we were the opener and he grabbed food and then he came back and like he's like, Oh man, you guys finished up already? We're like, uh yeah, man, we only played for like twenty minutes. That's kind of what we do. And uh he's like, Oh damn it, all right, whatever. And so then they went up and they were, I mean, yeah, they were super nice. Um another one that was uh man, um we were playing at a local club called Cheer Up Charlie's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We almost played there last time we came down. We ended up, we probably should have. Well, I'm really glad you didn't because mm. they hate loud music. Ah, lovely. Um, <laughs> specifically, loud rock music is yes. okay. What they're not a fan of, and so we hopped on a show with our friends from New York called Bethlehem Steel. Mm-hmm. And there was another band around town at the time called Mean Girls. And that's a good band. There was, uh, they were great. And then there was one other band I forgot who was playing, but so it's like these like kind of like indie poppy, kind of pop punk and uh, screamo vibes going on and stuff like that. And then we come on and like the band before us played, and they were like, "Yeah, this is too loud." And they had combo amps, and we were just like. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's a kind of like that's loud. And the, the, the band on stage was just everyone just started laughing because they'd all seen us play, and they're like, you know, like cartoon sweat drop on the brow, you know? Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you know, we play with two four four twelves and two eight tens. Yeah. Like we we, we bring our own PA system. Oh, and, honey, uh, you have no idea what's coming, do you? Okay. Yeah. And so we go up there and like we load all this stuff up there, you know, and the sound guy doesn't say anything, and I was like. I hope he doesn't think that these are like just dummy cabs or something. Like we're actually going to use these. We didn't just plug around this bullshit for fun. We just like moving heavy things. Really? That's why. We yeah. This. And yeah. So that was the first time I got, I think I learned how to like talk to a sound guy about playing in small rooms. Mm-hmm. So I just, I went up to him and I was like, Hey man. Cause I started thinking about like, all right, how would I run this? Like how, how would I, how would I work this scenario? You know, if I, I was approached with a small room with a loud ass band. What am I going to do? Well, first off, I'm not going to mic the guitar or the bass cabs because those are going to be louder than yeah, my what's PA. The, what's the point? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what's the point of also putting them in there? So I just told him like, Hey man, just focus on the drums and my vocal. That's it. You'll be fine. And even then we were, the, the club owner was pissed you know, like that. We were playing that loud. And I just, I, I told the song, I was like, tell your club owner, it's only going to be for 35 minutes. 
Yeah. It's only going to be 35 minutes of that, and then you'll be done for the rest of the fucking night. And you can deal with it. You guys booked us. We already know we're not getting paid. So, like, yeah, just just deal with it. Tell the dot-com next door to chill out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. So, they we're, we are, uh, from inside sources, Exhalance is banned from playing Cheer of Charlie's because we are too loud. We are uncompromisingly too loud. So. You know, I mean, it's like you don't have to like or, res- or respect the vision to understand that there is a vision. And I think the fact that, that this, this idea that some folks have that, oh, well, you're doing that wrong. Like, that's 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 an incorrect way of doing things. That always kind of blows my mind. It's like, aren't you running a fucking club? Like, what kind of bands yeah. do you have here? The blues band? Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, okay. But if you actually have touring bands, like, really? Really? I was kind of yeah, I mean, you know what? Like, it's their club. They can run it however they want. That's and true. word gets around. Uh, yeah, word gets around. Um, to but now, like since then, from what I've heard, is like they're not going to be doing live bands. They're just going to be doing DJs. That's probably way more I mean, lucrative for them anyway, they, right? They're making more money, so. Yeah, I mean, and also it kind of caters a little bit better to the community that they serve. They because uh, they're like a pretty premier like uh lgbtqa plus club like centered club and um so the dj thing really works for them and then also there's like a lot that's what a lot of clubs are doing downtown right now in austin is like they're just focusing on djs there's a couple of clubs that are opening back up with music but it's slowly but surely but from what i've heard is like the bands thing at cheer up charlie's is going to be like kind of a little more rare, gonna, maybe, or toned down. A little down. more rare, yeah, or a little, little more toned down bands. Like, you're not going to be singing. You're not going to be, like, uh, Gloss played at Cheer Ups. Gloss did a show at Cheer Ups. And that was legendary because it just went off. They played out, so they have an outside stage, too, which is where, honestly, we should have been playing just for the sound. Yeah, yeah, uh, it probably would have sounded better, been a better experience for everybody, if so, right? Yeah, um, but gloss played and it was just i only saw pictures i didn't go but it was just insane from what i saw and heard like a bunch of stuff got broken you know like just right. punk kids being punk kids you know and that's just which happens but, yeah. yeah and so and so and then after that they're like no more punk shows here ever again it's like all right i mean sure but, you know, there are like punks who identify as like what you're catering to. And yeah, exactly. It feels it's safer it's... playing in this space, but sure, you know. Um, well, and and there, there's I, a, there's a lot of ways to go with that, but the the idea that someone's cultural identity for sexual orientation somehow would mm-hmm. define their listening experience is is insanely reductive and insulting. And Oh, it is. I guess that, that is. that's I could say way more about that, but that's that's a that's a different kind of show. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh so then okay. So talk to me about that period between the split and atonement. What were you what were you guys up to during that point? I mean, I think that that's you know, it's no secret that I'm a huge fan. I mean I put it on the best of the best of the year list for that year, which was last year. Was that last yeah. year? I guess that was last year. <laughs> <laughs> the the blip that the the mind fuck of a year that 2020 was rick, v- rick valentine to release a very intimate record 
Um, Rick Valentin so put out a record called uh, The Year That Wasn't that was like a collection of all the singles he did his Thoughts of Technic Machines. I was like, wow, it kind of was The Year That Wasn't, wasn't it? Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. a really good title. I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, so between the split and atonement, we were just touring. Yeah. Touring and you're busy. You're, you're getting around. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, because like after the record came out in August for the first record, we didn't really do a massive tour on it. Like we we played a an album release show, and then nothing, and then we were like, okay, let. So then we decided to do a tour with Pinko, and that's when we did the split. So we were basically the first tour we were on. We had the self titled record, yeah. and then we had the the split seven inch, and we were like, all right, like we did like a Midwest like a nine day run with Pinko through the Midwest, and it was awesome, and. Uh, really good reception everything like that and we came back and we were just started writing we were like we felt super inspired we had all this energy and we were just writing 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 and then we uh we embarked on a west like a three and a half week long west coast tour where we just shot up the midwest and then made our way to the rockies went up to the pacific northwest up into vancouver canada came down the coast and then shot across the Southwest. And like the first half of atonement was like written by then. Like we, we basically, what we did, it was kind of wild because the first half was written on that, on the, that tour and we workshopped it on that tour. And then the second half was written on our winter tour, Hmm. which was, um, we started that tour with Life and Vacuum from Canada. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm familiar with those guys. Yeah. And so we did like four dates in Texas, shot up to the Midwest, and then headed east and did an East Coast run, and then came back. And that was like about three weeks. Uh, and so we kind of just did it just to say like, hey, we did a West Coast and an East Coast tour all in the same year and we're in Texas. And that's a big deal because getting anywhere outside of Texas takes a long fucking time. And so, yeah, so we like, then we came back and then we like finished up writing that record. And then that was November, December, and then January, January of 2020 is when we really started like finishing, finishing writing that record. And then we basically, I think we only played stuff off of Atonement at that No Coast that year. And then we, after No Coast, the next week, we went and recorded it at our practice space. Right before the the world went to shit. <laughs> yeah. And so it was kind of wild because, like, we recorded this record that encapsulated basically, like, the, end, the tail end of 2018 all the way up to, like, the start of yeah. the pandemic yeah so that's a large chunk of fucking time to think about with a lot of activity yeah, yeah sure absolutely. a lot of activity yeah we were right and like originally we had like 15 or 16 songs and we were <laughs> we were joking with ryan we we're like uh hey man you should you want to put on a double lp for, for example <laughs> How did that a go? Whole, over? Like, <laughs> a whole hour and a half of rock nobody wants to hear. Yeah, goes, yeah. Absolutely not. No. And, uh, no, I don't. I do not want to do that. No. <laughs> no that sounds like a bad idea. That, I don't no. want to do that. No. Like, <laughs> so yeah, we record. So we demoed. We demoed out the record first. So that was was about like fifteen or sixteen songs. Yeah. 
And we're like, fuck, we got to cut this down. So we cut it down to 11. And we're like, all right, cool. And after we recorded it, we uh, we kind of sat with it, but we were like, shit, we have like an hour's worth of music. We can't put an hour's worth of music on one single LP. We got to cut this down. And so we cut it down to 40 minutes because we wanted to leave Lake Song on there. So it was nine songs. Right. Which, which is which is takes up a lot of retail space on a record. It, it was great as it, it is. Does. I mean, I mean, without Lake Song, though, that record would be like 30 minutes. Right. So, which is, <laughs> but it also would be a different record. So that's that's the I mean, it would be. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it's happy. Like a lot of stuff happened I mean, during that writing period, like like I guess to backtrack so that's the very abridged version of just very overall view I mean there's a lot that happened in there like on the west coast tour like we were talking to several different labels about putting out our next record um, we had talked to uh, Rainer from Learning Curve who? Uh, <laughs> of course yeah, exactly. we love him of course of course we do yeah we, we were, I was kind of like, oh shit, this would be really cool. Ryan uh, from Hex, mm-hmm. um, Dan Golden from Exploding in Sound, and then also the Flenser was kind of talking to us for a second too. Yeah, they were just kind of starting to spin up and, and do some cool stuff. I mean, first thing I, th- I think I saw from was maybe the Tunnel did some stuff with them, if I'm trying to remember, but I was like, oh, I it's didn't the, realize uh, this was a okay, cool, <laughs> right on. <laughs> I yeah, mean, that, that experience was kind of weird, too, because I kind of feel like at, at that time, too, like right before that tour happened, I got asked to join Street Sex to mm-hmm. play guitar with them. And they were on the Flenser and they were kind of like, hey, you should check out Steve's band. He's about to join our band. And so they checked us out and they were like, hey, you guys are really good. And they were talking to us and Sprain at the same time. And uh, apparently they didn't go with us because they didn't like our image. Or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there you go. Oh, all right, cool, man. Like, you, what, you what do you say to like, that? I mean, that's you know, yeah. yeah okay. Like, well, <laughs> like, cool. You wanna, you wanna cater to edgy, depressed goth kids? Go for it. Yeah, like, it, and I yeah. guess there is a certain aesthetic that goes with that. Right. I mean, there okay. is, and like, sure. I'm just talking shit, but like, <laughs> not like some of the stuff that they put out, but yeah, for the most part, it's a very pretentious label, which kind of doesn't fit in with what we do. It wouldn't be uh, the first choice I would think of for you guys, but yeah. Yeah. And so like Hex just, I mean, it, Ryan came to our Portland and our Seattle show and was very animate about putting out our second record. You know, it was like, hey, like he emailed us before the tour. Yeah. And then he showed up to both Portland and Seattle dates. And I was kind of blown away by that. Yeah, that's like, a big deal for the Pacific Northwest. That doesn't really happen that often. That's not that's not. Yeah. Okay. Like this. Yeah. This guy followed us to like see he's based, he lives in Portland. Like I knew that. But then he followed us to Seattle. Like he drove right, through man. Tacoma traffic to go see you guys. That's a big exactly. deal. That's love. <laughs> yeah and so i was like all right and this guy, and like also we kind of after doing some research you know on hex at first when i when he hit me up i was like sounds familiar and this is like before he put out uh pinko's record and like and everything and uh i kind of heard it like the usa nail stuff that he was doing and then i kind of dived deeper into his catalog and was like oh you put out fucking ed Gein. 
oh shit yeah. all right and so then, and uh it was funny because we were talking about it i was talking about it with matt perrin when we were in kansas city oh sure um, yeah because we did a couple shows with them on that tour like at the beginning of the tour and we told him we were telling him about like all this stuff because it was like yeah like we're trying to find a record label for this new record and i told him the choices and he's like dude if i were you i'd put something on hex because like he put out a dean and i was like all right man cool and uh so a little bit of matt parent influence a little bit of just like ryan's just like i've heard word ra- worse rationales let's put it yeah way. exactly <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh and also it was like the guy i mean ryan's been doing it for so long yeah and, and uh it's just and getting to talk to him and getting to know him is like really cool and like that matters a lot just, yeah you want you want to make sure you know who you're yeah, I mean, ideally, it should be a partnership anyway, right? So you want to make sure that you yeah. have a good handle on the person that you're going to be doing this work with. Yeah, especially when it's such like an important piece of art that you're giving away to somebody to be like, I'm trusting you to like not fuck this up and to make sure like as many people as possible can hear this. Yeah, and uh, and like I I I'm so happy with working with Ryan. Um, he did the art too, right? We did the art. Oh, okay. All right. We did the whole entire layout. That's what um, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so I have it right here since right right here. That's so this is the record. Um, this So the cover art was um, – this is a picture of, of Tom's bathroom. Uh, this, this picture was a drawing his younger sister made for him when she was like nine years old, she's like oh, wow. in her early twenties now. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, so it's like, it's this really meaningful piece um, for, for Tom. And uh, it kind of like really encapsulate the honesty of the record. And then for the sleeve, like the, this back photo, this is, was this like this shit right there. Yeah, that yeah, was you got the brass knuckles. Over, you got the uh, knife. Tour band. <laughs> you got you got the the prescription bottle. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah, got, it's got all hockey, the food. a knife and some brass knuckles. It's it's got all the food groups, as they say, right? Exactly. So you can't go wrong with it. And then for like the for like the insert sleeve, like all these photos were like photos that I had taken or that our friends had taken of us throughout like the past couple of years. And uh, we made the collage, and I uh, I wrote out all the lyrics, and then um, Bill w- used all of his Photoshop skills and uh, just kind of set it all together. Um, so yeah, it was like it was very much like we didn't have any outside uh, artists come in or do anything really. Like we we just set it up like we had a vision for what we wanted, and then we just kind of did it and. Yes, it is very influenced by uh, fire hose um, for those that were paying attention. Um, that was just funny because when we showed Ryan the artwork, that was like the first thing he says, like, oh, yeah, kind of went with the fire hose record. And we're like, that's what we're going for. <laughs> well, and it's been a, there's a great, uh, there's a great tradition to the collage layout too. I mean, there, yeah. there's, you know, there, there's something to be said for, you know, some, something that has an appeal when it when it comes out doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to have appeal uh, different later on with a different context and with a different time. And it's cool looking, you know. And it's something where I think when you know more about the experience of where you guys are at as a band and like your thoughts on you know uh, musical community and stuff like that, it, it, it's kind of like a living history in a way of where you guys were at that time too. 
pretty absolutely absolutely i mean it's just a time capsule and like that's all like to me records have always been in a way has always just been like a capturing of like this is where i was in this year or at this point in time or like you know this is and that's just kind of how i mean especially with the music that i've always been drawn to writing or be a part of uh is always very honest and sincere with the way that um, my experiences of what I'm going through at that time. And uh, which, yeah, kind of like led to a lot of those songs on Atonement, especially Lake Song. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's keep it. Hold that thought. Let's, uh, okay. let's go through it sequentially. So basically this okay. is something I do. I know now I normally do this when I have folks on and it's a new record. I understand that this is a record that came out last year, but Whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling a mulligan on this. And it also just took me forever to actually remember to, to schedule you on the show. So my bad for that. But I've been, uh, so we'll just go through each song. If you have any specific ideas, memories, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, recording, uh, a lyric writing, uh, arrangement, where the title mm-hmm. came from, any of that kind of stuff, just lay it on us and, and tell us about it. Uh, it's okay also yeah. if there if there isn't anything you don't have to make anything up or anything along those lines but uh let's just go from the top uh which is okay. the thorn you carry in your side what? thorn you carry in your side uh that was a riff that a bill brought the the main riff bill brought to the group because he's like hey i've had this riff in my head for a couple of days and then i kind of took it and bastardized it and made it the and then added in like the like the, the real clean part um and just went home like it was one of those things where it's like we were kind of fucking around with it at practice and i just went home and just like almost finished the whole fucking song wow um um i mean i I bet from like some other parts in the song but like the a lot of like the meat and stuff like that um that time it also like i was really really into sumac um at that time too so i was like really interested in just like the way that aaron turner's guitar playing especially on um the deal uh, that record uh so i was listening to a lot of that at the time and also just wanted to like i was like i i, I wanted to be heavy but i don't want it just to be like dumb caveman riff like heavy like, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i want there to be some sus like some uh substance to it as well and so that was kind of the idea behind a lot of that and like there was a lot of different influences from like uh um like yeah sumac and slint and burnt skull and like a, a couple of other bands and just like uh wanted to sing a song i mean a lot of my songs are about uh uh just mental health and whatnot and just kind of being uh dealing dealing with the struggles of that and uh yeah. just kind of getting through them but also at the same time like trying to find a way out of them in a positive light um and yeah that's in the i kind of ripped off the title from the sun song um like i think it's on white oh which one is it i'm gonna look this up uh i'm gonna look like a total <laughs> sun poster. all the all you metalheads can call me out on it i don't really care uh but it's like on their one of their early records um oh think it's on this one well and you have the i was attributed to sonic youth but i guess it's a, a byron goalie the the yr year the year yeah which yes, i think is actually absolutely. a writing I, right? i've been doing that since i was a teenager and got the sonic youth I was like this is cool and then i'm like oh this is a habit 
Yeah. Like, oh man, people think I'm dumb. <laughs> Shit. All right, whatever. Yeah, I, I think uh, I don't want to misattribute it, but I, what I, I originally attributed it to Sonic Youth because that's how I I know it from. But I think mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. I gotta be careful. I gotta be careful because this this is where we get YouTube comments. I'm not interested in it. So. that's fair uh you know i want to say there was like a thing uh tim summer that's who it was uh there's there's actually a pretty cool article that i read about this not Mm -hmm. that long ago and actually it was like from 2018 but uh there's a whole story behind it but whatever that's not that's not your story so we're not I'm, I'm basically just buying you time to look up that song that you felt that was important to reference. So go ahead. Yeah. So the song is on white one. It's a, the shaving of the horn that speared you is the, the name of the, uh, Bear? of that okay. song. And so the thorn that you carry in your side, like that, that's kind of the, my, uh, paying homage to that, uh, to, to Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson. Nice, nice. So, was there? Yeah. Did Did you know from the jump that was going to be the kickoff song? Did you have a feeling for that, or was that something that came later with sequencing? I uh, I don't know. I can't remember honestly. I think I think Bill was always like very adamant about having us start with that song. And I always thought of it because, like, we never started any of our sets with that song. We always built into that song because it would yeah. give us a break. You know? <laughs> it kind of, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, once yeah. we, like, sequenced it out, it really worked because it kind of ran the gambit of, like, everything you were going to expect from that record was in one song. And then it just takes, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And it's a, you know, strong strong opener. It comes in, comes in like a lion, but it, it's yeah. not... Not overwhelmingly so, the, mm-hmm. and if it is, it's the right kind of overwhelming. Yeah. So that so that's the thorn you carry in your side. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Bang. This is the second song. Bang, bang. Uh, this is this song again. Listening to a lot of Sumac, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just trying to write, just like just just real heavy. Uh, just fucking heavy riffs. I just remember just kind of sitting there and learning how to play one of their songs. And then it was just like, Oh, okay. Like once I just kind of started figuring out like kind of uh, like the different thing, like the different tricks, if you will, that like Aaron Turner does or a lot of like the hammer on and pull off stuff that he does. Um, Grand, he's like in a completely different tuning. Uh, I was like, Oh, okay. Like what if I just started fucking around with this and then just like kind of added my own flair to it. And um yeah, so that that main section, and uh, I don't know, it was just all just like let's just make it like a fast, heavy song, and then like the middle scronky section. Um, we were on tour, talking about like writing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and Tom was like, "What if we incorporated like panic chords?" I was like, "What the fuck is a panic chord?" And so, <laughs> Yeah, that that would that would have been my precise reaction because I'd never heard that term yeah, before. I was, I was like, I don't know what that means. And so then he showed me, and I was like, Oh, okay. And so I was like, Oh yeah, this kind of sounds like daughters or uh, 
um like locust shit where it's like you know and so oh is, is that what that is, is that, i didn't realize mm-hmm. there was a name for that well okay. well also daughters is like running it through like pitch puddles and yeah, shit yeah, so yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah. even more like chaotic um so yeah so it's like a lot of like those like di- real super dissonant chords i wish i would have known uh, that before i had jp on i would have asked him if he ever, ever heard that term before <laughs> i'm like what probably like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? Panic chords. Panic chords. What's actually mean? really, really funny. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, our our buddy Ryan Valdez, who plays in this great band called Moths out of Houston, who's like, I'm tired of people referring to uh, referring to, to to them as panic chords. They're not fucking panic chords. And I was like, Well, then what are they? I don't know what they are. Who cares? <laughs> It's music. It's all squiggly air. Who gives a shit? This fi- this this this, this totally figures. I just found out about this term, and there's already a backlash against it. And I just found out. <laughs> Fantastic. So now you know the whole story of <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, and, and I understand so like, the backlash too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, "Yeah, we should, we should throw those in." I was like, oh, "Okay." So I just like started throwing. Uh, there's a couple of songs that I throw them in on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Just... I mean, now that you've described what the thing is, like, I I, I get what it is like a yeah and so uh yeah it was funny and so like we recorded that song and uh when listening back to it i was like this is just ferocious this yeah. just sounds mean that's like, pretty this brutal just sounds like this song's gonna like meet you outside of the dentist parking lot <laughs> shake you down for your, your for your lunch money or something yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I'm like fuck all right <laughs> And so, yeah, we always kind of knew that, like, after we wrote it, we're like, yeah, this is going to be a single, like, we'll just throw it up there. And like, I remember like the, the, one of the last shows we played, we, we played a house show in Austin. It was like one of the first times we played that song and we were playing it and like the whole fucking house, like it, it felt like exploded, like nice. kids, there was a lot of kids at that show too, which is which was fun, but they all were just going ape shit over it, like just like circling around. I was like, someone's room, someone's gonna put a fucking hole in this wall. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the only thing too, where you're like, uh just can we please be reminded that this is a residence where people live and maybe it doesn't have the structural capacity to handle your current actions right now. Yeah, can we keep the spin kicks to a minimum, please? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> please. <laughs> Yeah, only tr- only true heads will know. That'll make you feel like Black Flag, though, when you're doing stuff like that. You're like, you're like, yeah. Behave, don't break yeah. anything, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, awesome. Watch out for that lamp, though. Yeah. Be careful. Just don't add that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Ah, okay. Goddamn use. <laughs> uh, passing perceptions. Yeah. So talk about Unwound. Um, this riff was. <laughs> Very influenced by Unwound, uh, especially uh, Dragulus, um, the opener on Fake Train. Oh yeah, yeah. I kind of wanted because uh, it was like fucking because I was like, oh, I'm not. I don't want to make it sound exact. I don't want to use the same exact fucking. I uh, but I kind of wanted to use that same like feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then also apply, and then uh, Tom came up with the groove for it. Uh, so uh, and that just kind of it's a song just about kind of like feeling uh just tired of feeling complacent in your hometown like you've just been kind of you've been in this place for like too long and you just kind of need to get out and it's like like uh um there was this great band 
from Austin called New China. Oh, I love um, New China. Yeah, that's they're 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 yeah. they rip really hard. Really, really great band. They were amazing. I fucking loved that band so much. We actually but, the, the the last time we played Austin, we played with Katie's new band, uh, uh, Betty Goop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're great too. They're they're kind of like to me is like if they if New China went into a more modern gorilla toss. Oh, uh, direction. Okay. Yeah. To, yeah. 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 New China I, definitely had a more kind of frantic, uh, frantic weirdness. Not that Betty Goop is like super straightforward, but like very unique song structure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very unique band, um, yeah. which is why I love them so much because they were just like chaotic, but very fun and poppy at the same time. Totally. Uh, I think that it has to deal with a lot of like. Katie's obsession with like K-pop and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that was something that I when I learned more about that, I'm like, oh, now this makes a little more sense because before it was like, hmm, how like, is what this? Are they, what, are they, what are they going what's, for? What's but been... anyway, <laughs> I like it. Don't get me wrong, but what's happening? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But there's there was a line that she wrote. Um. Yeah, I forget what New China song, but it always got stuck in my head and it was a uh, change my perception, but the scene stays the same. And so it's kind of like, it kind of like worked with that idea as far as like, hey, like no matter where I move to in this town, you know, no matter like where I wake up, you know, it's still the same fucking town. You know, it's always like, yeah, I can move to a new place and be excited, but at the end of the day, it's still this place, you know? And so it's just like, it's kind of like getting through just getting through day by day of just dealing with that stuff. And uh, so a lot of like with that, and like also we were kind of trying to, especially the song structure or that one was like, we really, we really spent time like work working on that one and coming up with uh, just that one. I remember vividly working together on, especially like that end part of like all those like, uh, like this, the progressions at the end, yeah, we're like all winding more together. Like a Chavez feel to it. Oh yeah, we're trying totally. to like a Chavez yeah, feel to it, yeah, but also yeah, like yeah. there's some to me it was like Nick and Chavez. Like some parts of like like the upstrokes that I'm doing like remind me of like David's guitar playing at times, and then also with with like the heavy uh, meaty chords, just trying to do more Chavezy things. But yeah, definitions. This is a real personal song. Um, this is the first song I wrote for my now, who is now my wife. Um, and Tom and I, while well, Bill was like in the bathroom or something, started messing around with that opening riff, uh, you know, and uh, just keeping it real slow. We tried just keeping the song slow, but it just, it was just, we just were like, all right, this is just, it's fine, but it needs something else. And so we decided to like speed it up and kind of give it like a little bit more like a, like start it slow, but then like kind of build it up to this up-tempo thing. And then if we are also eat like eating a lot of weed chocolates at the time too. <laughs> and we noticed that whenever we do that, 
we end up writing a lot of shoegazy sounding stuff. Mm. So like the end of that song where it's just, or like the chorus just kind of builds into that just like final where I'm just literally playing the same, I'm just strumming on the same fucking chord for like a minute and a half. Right. Just, yeah, it's real hypnotic. Just, yeah, just plays out of our fucking minds. Like, man, this sounds so fucking cool. All right, yeah. And those are like, yeah, it actually does sound pretty cool. And then Bill, being Bill, is like, no, I have to, I'm going to make this super. I'm going. I want to, you know, mess with this. Like, Steve, you keep playing that, but I'm going to do these bass. Art. Like, we're going to come in and just like kind of keep doing this, just creating this wall of sound and really letting the rhythm drive. And that's kind of where it comes in. Also, we were talking about earlier about like what you can do with the three piece. You know, it's like sometimes like with with a guitar oriented band the guitar doesn't always have to be the lead you can just sit mm. there and just make sound and let the yeah. rhythm section really carry the song um and i feel like a lot of people get lost in that where it's like no like you can just as a guitar player especially as a guitar player it's like you can set your ego aside for right. like a couple of minutes and just kind of take a back seat and just just, just hang out let them push this song forward and you just create texture you know it's all about like where what are you doing with the guitar and like how are you utilizing it as far as that's concerned so nice uh in the scenes (laughs) yeah so this is actually the first song that we wrote for the record really believe it or not we wrote this about the same time that we recorded those Pico split songs at the end of 2018. So like in that same session, we actually recorded it just to demo it. There was no words around it or anything like that. But that one is a wild song just because of the technicality of the rhythm and being able to play and sing that song is took a long time for me to actually kind of nail and figure it out. Also, the subject matter is about having like a falling out with friends and stuff like that and um, in your community and stuff like that. And just kind of quit, like the questions you ask for yourself and then also the questions that you pose on to them, like in a hypothetical way or like, like in a, yeah, like in a hypothetical way. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and then that song, I really like enjoyed writing that song uh, just because of just like, how that was a song that we really pushed ourselves on i felt like as far as like our technical like our technical playing ability and like also like when it came out recorded it just sound it just hit like when it hits it hits super hard but it's also it's one of those songs where it's like you have to be on it at all times to to get it right there's not a lot of room to yeah (laughs) to to hang back as we just to to express the contrast of what was said earlier there's not a lot of hanging back on that one it's no it's very much like you're gonna nail this part every time especially since it's like the way that like bill and tom are using like that really odd syncopated rhythm then it just all makes sense and it's it's uh it's fun one and also like we started closing sets with that one like right before the pandemic just because it's like the the ending like we i kind of we already knew that like with that song that's how we were going to end side one was like it's going to be this like long washed out ending and like kind of like just kind of chill so you can just like all right cool let's flip the record turn the record over exactly yeah that that's uh (laughs) it's i i feel like i wish that more bands would pay attention to that with vinyl sequencing because it's, it's it seems like a lost opportunity in some cases but yeah i mean it's it's 
it's a disservice to the listener, really. I mean, if you're if you're creating something that you know is going to be on said format, you should at least try to like utilize how it's going to be like perceived on that format. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And it, it's you know, if if we're doing if everybody's doing vinyl, then let's do vinyl, guys. Come on. Yeah, like let's. <laughs> I mean, any 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 jackass can press ten songs to a, to a fucking wax, but like yeah look like just put some effort into like your actual sequencing of just like okay well like well all these songs fit here and all these songs fit here cool whatever i mean we i mean i don't know i just i i I buy a lot of records i collect a lot of records and i pay attention to who's putting out what and so when it comes to like i i I listen and i study and i'm just like especially with the experience of a record is like you just sit down and listen to you know it's like i like to sit down and listen to it or just like put it on and just like kind of listen to it in the background, stuff like that. So songs can hit totally differently in di- in a different context. Mm-hmm. For the for the better or the poor, like it's almost like the and there's certain times there's songs that you know maybe they don't do what you think they would do, and like mm-hmm. you just have to be okay with the fact that like well that's what has to be on the record or we're yeah that's what the record is. So <laughs> for sure. So speaking of the record, so then. Side B kicks off with Richard. The sleeper hit. Yeah, yeah, that's uh that's one of my personal favorites on there. That's a jammer. Everyone, I honestly when we wrote it, I hated it. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't like it. Um mostly because I just couldn't write I I was having a hard time with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So I, like I mean uh it it just it just like, I just couldn't, like, I tried it out live. We tried it out live so many times. And I was just like, I'd rather just play the stuff where it's like, I actually kind of know, like, especially like on that East Coast tour. Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, right after we wrote it. And um, that one was like, the but like, the, it was, it wasn't until like after we recorded it and like listened to it, I was like, oh, wait, this song, like, fucking rules. Yeah. Like, what <laughs> this I, song jams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, and uh, I've had that experience where you were like, Oh, that one, yeah, that one's, yeah, hey, this is pretty good. (laughs) Have you noticed (laughs) that this is pretty good? (laughs) And it was like looking at you like you're an idiot. It's like, Oh, yeah, okay, sorry, guess, oh, oops, sorry, guess I put that into the uh, the triple A ball, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it wasn't, yeah, and then like, because those lyrics, like, I had. The opening line in mind, like I always knew, like that, like the first two lines were already written, like in my head of like what I was going to. But then, like everything else on that recording is like I just made it up on the spot. But it was like all just like very centered around a single person uh, who fucked over a lot of people in this town um, and fucked over a large. Uh, a large swath of the punk and rock and underground community as well. Um, so I wrote a song about him. So that's the kind of the general idea of that song. And uh, yeah, it's just real. Uh, and so yeah, it's it's one of those songs where I think going forward, it's just we're gonna we're probably gonna be busting it out at a lot of live shows going forward. I think it's also a song that benefits well from the, its placement on the record too, because it. it it's a good kickoff for that side, you know, like it, yep. it sort of like gets, gets you like, Oh, all right, let's go. Cool. 
catches, yeah. catches like, the attention, kind of snakes around a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. Like you flip the record over, and then you're just like just pile dried in the face, you know, with with that song. <laughs> so that was kind of the intent, and uh, I'm glad that people picked up on it and like people and that people really like that song. And yeah, it's it's hard and heavy. Crucifix. Another hard and heavy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the sequencing of Richard into Crucifix was something that just worked out. And I feel like it, like I'm really happy with the way that worked out. And that's a song, uh, that's a song about gentrification and just kind of the effects of it. And just like trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who's like had their family home just kind of ripped from them just to be sold off and torn down and just be built up as these like lifeless fucking condos, like everywhere, like in Austin lately. Um, Here's a soulless cracker box. It looks like the other soulless cracker box across the street. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're going to charge you like $2,300 a month to live in this soulless piece of shit. Yeah. You know, but Hey, guess what? You're close to downtown and there's a, there's a, boutique soap shop that's right underneath <laughs> you keep austin weird <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so a lot of that is just that's the majority of it, but also just writing that riff and that was also kind of the the approach of just that song was honestly inspired by austerity program um and being able to kind of like take a step back from playing just playing guitar and just singing yeah. Um, and uh, this the the photo that was used for tonight of myself. That's that I was. We were playing crucifix. I know that for like a wow. very vivid memory of like I can kind of tell like oh I we were playing this song at that time in this photo was based taken. on like hand positioning or like where you're where is that interesting hand positioning yeah exactly. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I really like that song. It's uh, and it turned out great on the record. I thought. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So then we have Blackened, aka the other Blackened. <laughs> yeah, which is not a Metallica cover. <laughs> right. Everyone's question. <laughs> yeah, this is oh, in in, in the chat box. Twenty three hundred dollars a month to live right next to a music venue, so you can complain about the noise from the venue every single night. Yeah, that's that's an important. That's- yeah. That's uh, that's Red River for you. Yep. <laughs> Red River. It's fucking stupid. Um, like you moved next to a music but, venue. What did you think was going to happen here? <laughs> yeah, like you move. Do you not see the stage outside of your yeah. fucking window? <laughs> did you, you jackass? Did you think that was decorative? Like what? What? <laughs> do you think it was a, like for planters? Like you put plants on there? Like what? What did you think that was? Yeah, you know, it's it's a farce. People make some. People make stupid. People make money off of stupid people in this town. It's, it's yes, or just about everywhere. Just I mean. just about everywhere. But I, I, having uh, right after No Coast last year, we played Austin, and it was the first time I've been in Austin in a while, and it was much more pronounced than even like uh-huh. a few years before. Where I was like, "Wow, this is like." And then we hung out with a friend who basically spent most of the night. Uh, telling me in aggressively telling me in detail all the different ways that 100 percent of that was yeah that, that that was a correct assumption and i was like well it's not hard to see it's just kind of a drag that 
It's yeah, just, it's just being like taken taken over by the Borg. I mean, San Francisco's the same way. You know, it's, it's, I kind of got that vibe from San Francisco when I went there for the first time. Where it was like there's like pockets of actual history there. Yeah, then for the most part, you know, it's like, oh fuck, like yeah, like Silicon Valley came in and yeah, did number on on this. And that's what's happening here now. I mean, yeah. Let's let's put it this way: it was Tesla very, it was very familiar. Apple it was very also. familiar when I went to Austin, when we went to Austin last time. I was like, oh, this is it's happening here now, huh? And and that's I mean that's why I left the Bay. I mean I'm Oakland, not SF, but it's like I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't leave Oakland because I hated the Bay Area. Went because it's like oh, you could, we could spend every dollar we have just to keep our head above water day after day, or we could go somewhere else. So, and it's. Oh. It sucks. It, it, I, it's just it's such a bummer, and it's a bummer to see. And I don't know who it's for, except for when I do know who it's for, and then it's like, oh, I hate you. Yeah, <laughs> you were the problem. Like you son of a bitch. Yeah, um, but look, let's get back to songs. Blacken, tell me about it. Blacken. <laughs> yeah, um, this isn't the gentrification hour. Let's go. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what Crucifix is for. Just go yeah, exactly. that song. He's, and he's covered set. it. Covered it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, blackened. Uh, this was one of the last songs we wrote for the record that and like song were like the two songs, the two last songs that we wrote for the record. And, um, this was very much another unwoundy, but make it heavier sort of song that I wanted to do. Um, had the main riff in mind. And it's like, I worked on that riff the whole entire time, like on all my off time on our East coast tour, I just worked on that song and Lake song back to back. And, uh, I'm happy with how it turned out. Um, and the lyrics too was pretty much all written on the spot, like written in the booth, like just kind of like, this is what I'm going to say. And I was like, Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. And kind of conveys what I'm feeling right now. So uh, it's just kind of like, you know, hiding from your hiding from your pain and then at the end, just embracing it. Um, and it's a very, just whenever I listen to it, it, it make like, Sometimes whenever I listen back to it, like I'm just like, oh shit, yeah, like I was in a gnarly spot when I wrote this, like, yeah, and you can yeah. tell. Uh, so, did you have like yeah. the? Did you know how, like the inflection or how it was going to be sung, and didn't, didn't just didn't have the words, or was it all just kind of straight from the union subconscious? I I had the inflection down. Okay. Um, and I had most of it mapped out in my head as far as like how I wanted to do some of this stuff at practice. And also we played it out live a couple of times. Um, it, like there's a video of us playing it at no coast on YouTube. And yeah, it was, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of, I tried to discern whatever lyrics I could from that and then put it into the record. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of tough to kind of talk about, not because of like the subject matter, but just because it's like I just don't really know what else to say about. That's it. fine. I mean, that's, they, look, they don't all have to be novellas, you know. Like, <laughs> like it's it's okay to be, leave a little mystery on the table, even if it's a mystery to yourself sometimes too. It's okay. So then that that brings us to the uh, the epic Lake Song, which is uh, closes the record, definitive statement song of sorts. A ride, if you will. 
<laughs> uh, I mean, what you, you got? You. Cello. There's like trumpet. Like it gets it gets baroque without feeling baroque, which is always the key. Um, yeah, yeah. That song is fucking insane to me to think about. Like the fact, like I listen to that song sometimes. I'm like, I can't believe we fucking wrote this shit. <laughs> It definitely seems like you you, you snuck some tr- trigonometry into the algebra class for sure of like, of like whoa okay let's yeah. go <laughs> we got we got Matthew with it yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I so before the so after the West Coast tour before the East Coast tour uh, my wife and I moved out to Spicewood Texas uh, which is about. 40 minutes west. It's about 32 miles west of Austin. Um, so I was living outside of the city and we were living on, um, we were living on the lake out there and it was very lonely. It was a very isolating and lonely experience. Yeah. And, uh, just because it's like, Oh, like all this excitement and all my friends around me are like gone. And, um, but it was good because the good part of it was the growth in the relationship I had with my wife and uh, really just being able to like focus on that and really just kind of hone down on a home life and just kind of building from that. And so, yeah, it's called Lake Song just because I was staring at the lake and wrote the riff and then I just <laughs> never came up with a different title for it. So that's, there's, there's that. Uh, <laughs> well, it works. I mean, it's got that spacious sort of feel, so it's not like it's like completely like an outlier or anything uh, in, in that way. Yeah, but the but the lyrics itself, it's the second song on the record that's dedicated to my wife, and it's about um, about being away from your partner, being away from the one that you love for like long periods of time. So it's basically like, for me, I said it in a setting of like a sailor lost at sea. And, uh, but in reality, I was just on tour on a highway where I knew exactly where I was going. So I wasn't lost at all, <laughs> but, uh, but one can, but, yeah. one can have those feelings, even if it's not literally yeah. true. Right. <laughs> it could be a figure. I mean, no, one was, no one wants to hear about a guy in the back of the van for fucking eight yeah. hours. Ahead, Here right, I you know? am hitting the road again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We already got shitty country music for that. Turn the so, page. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. But yeah. Tour is hard. We get it, Seeger. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard when you're making thousands and yeah. thousands of dollars a night. Yeah, uh, exactly. Must 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 be real difficult, like eating that backstage buffet you have. <laughs> Man, tonight was rough. They brought the wrong. They brought they brought Black Forest ham when I requested honey ham. God, it's just inhuman. I don't know. Can't can't even perform. I can't even work. I can't work under these conditions. Are you kidding me? All right, hand me some cocaine. I'll get out there. Uh, <laughs> no, but so yeah, the, that song was a labor, a labor of love and frustration, and nailing it. Because at first I was like, we, we all thought it was like, oh, it's gonna be like a six or seven minute song. Yeah, and that's it because it felt like when we played it like oh it's moving pretty fat you know it's like it's got a good pace to it and like we kind of like and it's got that real nice like just like three uh three four swing to it six eight in places um and 
we played that song successfully once. <laughs> I, like, I like the caveat of it being successful that time. Was it? Were there unsuccessful attempts? I mean, there were attempts. Right. Uh, but it's you know it's it's a it's honestly a difficult song. It, it well it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a moody song too. It's you got to establish mood. There has to be kind of you're you're naturally kind of bringing things down to a certain degree. Like you have to have that control to be able to do it. Whereas it's like the exact opposite of how if you're in a loud band, it's not going to be where you're naturally going to go to. I mean, it's like yeah. So it was it was different, you know. We pulled it off though at No Coast, which I was super stoked on. Like that was like the last time we played it live was at No Coast. Nice. Um uh, 2020. And I was super nervous about that song. Cause I was like, like I wrote when we were done writing that song, like there was two feelings that came over my head, which was like, wow, this is incredible. I can't believe we just did this. You know, and then the second one was like, I think everyone's gonna fucking hate it when they listen to it because <laughs> it doesn't sound like anything like the record. Right. You know, right. We're gonna listen to this and be like, what is what the fuck is this? You know, but it's like it it didn't, you know, at the end of the day though, like it does it doesn't matter because it's like all three of us wrote that song and we put so much energy and thought and uh emotion into that song. And then also Bill came through with like the arrangements too. Cause like we had cello on there. We had Graham Lowe, uh, play cello. And then we got our, and then we had our friend Nicole playing trumpet on there. Yeah. Uh, we, we also had our friend Molly. Um, she was playing oboe, I want to say, or clarinet. It's one of those two. And we couldn't use her take because at the time we had recorded it, we were still recording in our practice space. Yeah. The, no one was there for like such a long time. And then right as we trying to record the session, we were like such a crunch time to record it too. Some, there was a doom metal band playing next door. <laughs> oh, and the course bow there and was. Bleed yeah. was coming through the mix from next fucking, and we couldn't use it. We just straight up like could not use it. Cause it was just like, there was still just like, you know, like underneath it, it was like, Cause when we were mixing it, we we're like, Oh fuck. Like, Oh, we need the, we like the, all the frequencies that we cut out. It was just like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, it sounds awful. It, it sounds like not what you th- want it to be when you get rid of all the nonsense. Um, yeah. So unfortunately we had to scrap that. And, uh, but we still managed to have uh trumpet and cello on there, which added uh, quite a bit. Uh, and kind of, it really filled out the song and, uh, yeah, so it was funny because when we got done recording it, like as I said, it was like, yeah, like this would be like six and a half, maybe seven. And then we we're like, nine and a half fucking minutes? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we pulled a Marky Moon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, holy fuck, man. What are we, television? Yeah, God exactly. damn. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I was really happy with it. And like, obviously, that one is like, very obviously like influenced uh honestly by slint and shellac um and uh june of 44 a lot of june of 44 uh just because i love that band a lot yeah great i mean really like anything that jeff mueller has touched i'm like oh this is good i like it a lot but yeah that's that's pretty much everything like on its own man 
Um, yeah, that that's the record. So, I mean, and was there ever any doubt that that would be anything but the last song? I mean, it kind of kind of seems like there's nowhere else to go after that, right? Yeah, we kind of knew that, like, hey, we wanted that song on the record because we spent so much goddamn time on it. It'd be like, it'd be infuriating if we spent all this time on this one song and they were like, you know what, just scrap it. And so we decided to, uh, no, we, we were like, we always knew, like, this is how we're going to close the record. Yeah. And so it came out to nine songs and it was like the runtime on it is 40 minutes. Um, which might be long to some people, uh, but those some people I don't think really are Exhalants fans to begin with. So, well, it's you know, it's like all right, you could the last song, sure, you could play a Minutemen EP during the course of it, but I mean, like whatever, it does what it's supposed <laughs> to do, you know. <laughs> you could play a whole like you could play almost all of Canada songs by Daughters through that first through that last song. Well, if you feel so inclined, if you if, I don't know if anyone's looking for that mashup, but you could. Yeah, you know. I mean if anybody does that that'd be interesting. I, I will I will give I will ship them a free shirt and a free record <laughs> a mashup of Canada songs, all of Canada songs with Lake Song. I will give you free excellence merch. And I'll slip in a twenty dollar bill for your time as well. <laughs> Canonake Lena songs. <laughs> I don't know. Like you do a thing. Songs. Yeah, yeah. You, you could do the thing where you you take the words and you uh, uh, make a sniglet of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's the word, right? Is that a is that Rich Little? Jesus, where am I pulling this from? But <laughs> yeah, there you go. Challenge here. We gauntlet thrown down. There you go. Yeah. Send send it. Uh, DM the band page. If you if you ever do it actually, and uh, yeah, I will uphold my end of the bargain. Uh, did you originally were you going to like when that record came out? I mean, twenty twenty sort of you know every every album is a COVID album to a certain degree. But was it meant to come out when it came out? Yes and no. It was meant to come out in twenty twenty. Uh, that was that was the deal that we had. Um, and that was like kind of what we had in our head. And especially when we recorded it, you know, like late February, early March, we didn't know. I mean, no one knew how long this thing was going to last. And initially it was like, oh, two weeks or like a couple of months. Yeah. Sure. By the time it comes out in September, everything will be great. Yeah. You know? and, yeah, exactly. No, I've, I've, uh, newsflash asshole. It never got great. Um, oh, we'll make but... up those dates in July. Yeah. No, you won't. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, nope, that's no, that's not happening. No. Oh, that music festival you think you're having in July? You think that's safe? <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, it was it's just kind of weird, just uh, just doing it because uh, we couldn't tour on it. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't play out on it. We did a live stream, which turned out honestly, I thought it turned out pretty good, um, and then. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Uh, but it's not, I wouldn't call it like a COVID album per se. Well, it was done it was before really- COVID hit, but I mean, it just the fact it was released in, in like the lost year, the year that wasn't, yeah. as that Rick Valentin called it. Yeah, that wasn't. And I felt like a lot of the feelings that I was feeling during that time, uh, I think some people still related to them, especially during that time. Sure. And it kind of put a different spin on a lot of the stuff that was that I was writing about, 
you know, like looking back and writing about it. It's like it brought me back to those memories of when you're writing those songs, yeah, playing them live. Um, but then also it kind of puts new meaning on it when you're releasing it at such a weird uh, time in world history. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's it's sort of like there was. I remember there was like a time of just being like, well, I mean, what the what the hell? Why? <laughs> like yeah. everything is chaos, so everything will just be screaming skull on fire flying around the room all the time like you think it's going to get any better it probably isn't like either way my, my life is a doom level essentially yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly you know. yeah. hey guys we have a new record yeah. <laughs> boot up the old dos x and then we're gonna get play the R- some doom the rpg out well, yeah exactly <laughs> So and then uh well and 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 um you also released that thing from the Atlanta uh, uh 529 you released that that oh, the, the yeah the the live set yeah that that was I was really surprised about how that came out because that was basically Bill basically took care of all that like mm-hmm. that guy had messaged us like after that tour right and was like hey I recorded this set I was wondering like if y'all wanted it or something or like you just kind of did it without asking yeah uh and we were, we were just kind of like is this kind of a scam that he's trying to run like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah yeah like wire me and, the money and then we'll yeah <laughs> yeah and then i was like and then he actually sent music and we're like oh no you actually did record that set well what the fuck yeah and so like we went and so bill was kind of like uh because i was just you know going through too much shit and i was like in charge of doing all the mail order and like getting stuff ready, like doing all the PR, like helping Ryan with the PR shit for atonement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Bill, please take the care of this. I can't do everything. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll take care of it. And he took care of it and it turned out really cool. Um, so he was like, basically the guy who was just in communication with Bill the whole entire time. And then we were talking about putting it out and just being like, you know, like, yeah, like why not? I mean, yeah, um, it's a good recording. It's just digital only. Like I don't want to, deal with tapes or CDs yeah. or anything like that for it. It's just, it's a live set and we'll just put it out on a Bandcamp Friday and just use that money and donate it to charity. And so, yeah, we still, we're still donating money uh, to the Sims foundation in Austin, here in Austin for that, uh, for that release. And um, for those who aren't aware of what Sims does is they provide mental uh, health uh, services for Austin musicians. Uh, because we're all broke. Usually we're jobs that just don't provide that kind of care or provide insurance for us. Uh, so having a resource like that it's invaluable. is crucial. Yeah. It's very crucial. So um, we're like, big advocates for Sims. I like that the specificity of that too. Uh-huh. You know, there's something to be said for, you know, the big names always get the... Oh, I'll donate to to this cause or that cause. When it's like, no, this is the <laughs> it's it's like the charity equivalent of uh, that ki- that kids in the hall brain candy thing. No, you don't understand. <laughs> this is a pill that gives worms to ex girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just don't get it. Well, could it be given to ex boyfriends too? No, no, no. That's not what this does. So that, but doing charitable work that, you know, helps people's lives instead of giving worms to ex-girlfriends. Yeah, giving worms, yeah. You know. <laughs> I don't know which one's better, but that's up for a debate. Uh, the the, no, the, uh, the, the species, the species uh, 
Captain Beefheart esque observations of Kona Neutron. There you go. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I thought that was a nice thing, and it's also a very well recorded live set. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, there's a push now. I feel that is is in social media to share like, hey, here's some video I took in portrait mode on my phone, and the audio is live from Satan's butthole. And yeah. here it is, and this is the best way to experience this band. It's like, oh, it's like it's yeah, you know. but no. <laughs> yeah. Also, like live recordings. I mean, you do bring up a really good point, especially with live recordings and live records and such like that, because uh, it's there. I mean, it's it's because I started thinking about it the other like we, we, when we were working on that. I was thinking about it. It was like, man, there used to be like so many like old rock bands that just were used to like release yeah. live recordings as a record I mean, like you know Absolutely. like hey this whole live set we're just gonna here it is and so i wish more bands would do that now but also it's a it's it's cumbersome and expensive um and b with like social media especially like any everybody has a like a camera with a microphone on it, I, I mean, sometimes the quality is good on it. Sometimes it's garbage. It's just depending. <laughs> yeah, every every once depending. in a while it's good. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you can kind of like get some sort of variant of like an experience, like some a little taste of an experience of like a show or like a band. And but listening, like actually wanting to sit down and listen to like a live set from a band, I think is is pretty. Uh, pretty important these days especially during that time when like you can't have it yeah exactly yeah, we couldn't have live shows it was like well why not just release like a live record or like a live recording of set that we did in atlanta yeah of an exceptional a pretty really fun show like that was our first time ever that was my first time ever in atlanta and um yeah we met i met jared for the first time in person uh jared from Nam um at that show oh yeah of course yeah yeah and amanda was there too from uh, nice. and they had just they just came from band practice and we're at that show and they were some very very nice people very sweet yeah. people nice folks and jared does amazing work for his community um oh yeah he's relentless dude i love it yeah, yeah he's amazing and um but yeah it was just and also it was funny because uh a deer horse was also there that night Oh, wow. Because I, they were they were uh, tracking demos in Atlanta that same night. Oh, how cool! I'm like, hey, yeah, we're just gonna come hang by. We're gonna come swing by. And I'm like, yeah. oh, cool! So we just like all hung out together. That's awesome. I love that. Had, had a few drinks and it was it was fun. So, Steve, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me and uh, going into such detail yeah. with the songs and being on the show. Always, always. Yeah, thanks for having me. Should have done it a long time ago, but hey, you're on now. Uh, last thing, it's the only canned question I ever ask. Okay. You can choose to interpret it however you like. Okay. Why do you do what you do? I do what I do because I have to do it. Because it's just that it's, it's just at this point, it's who I am. It's my driving force. Um, it's how I identify as a person. And also I do it because I love it. Um, if I didn't love it, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, I made this choice of it. I wouldn't call it a career, but I would call it a pursuit in life. I decided to do this pursuit at a very young age and I just haven't stopped. And I'm glad 
that I haven't because I have met so many amazing people through, uh, through music and through just going to shows, being in a community. And, uh, I mean, that shit, that's how I met, met the love of my life. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I hold no regrets, uh, for, for what I do. And, um, I wouldn't have it any different. Steve, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Take care, brother. All right. I'll see you around. Oh, there he goes. Steve Pike, Exhalance. Let's listen to a song.
Lake Song. Exhalance. That's an atonement. Before that, we had Richard. This is also on the excellent record atonement. You can find that. Where can you find that, Conan? Well, I'm about to tell you. You can find that at exhalance.bandcamp.com. I think they're in a th- their uh, third pressing of that. It's a good one. It's uh, it's uh, it's in the top twenty of, of twenty twenty for alert, alert and astute listeners of the show. Yeah, so there you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was Steve Pike from Exhalence. Pleasure to have him on the air. And thank you for listening to this show, which is called Conan Neutrons. Protonic Reversal. This show airs on Radio No. Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Say yes to no. Archives at ProtonicReversal.com. Always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you like the show, and you want to get episodes sooner. One dollar a month on Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Protonic Reversal will get you there. Signing off. And it helps support the show, too, which is always nice. Keeps the power on. <laughs> this freaking outfit. If you like the show, consider sharing it around, liking, subscribing, all that jazz. I've got 50,000 watts of power. Helps people find it. Helps spread. Spread the message, man. Spread it around. Thanks, everyone, uh, for all the nice feedback on uh, the recent shows. There's a bunch of cool stuff coming up. Lindsay Charles from Cell Phones, Aaron Beam Part 2. There's just a bunch. Follow it. Uh, follow uh, Protonic Reversal on Instagram, Protonic.Reversal, Facebook, all that stuff. You know how to do it. Stay safe out there. Take it easy. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, See?